the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, October the 26th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On October 26, 2020, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court. I found it interesting this morning that Associated Press was talking about this. They were lamenting that she secured a conservative court majority for years to come. I hope they're right. I think they are. We're not lamenting. We're happy about it. Today in 1774, the First Continental Congress adjourned in Philadelphia. Today in 1825, the Erie Canal opened in upstate New York. That connected Lake Erie and the Hudson River, as you probably know. Today in 1861, the legendary Pony Express that officially ceased operations gave way to the Transcontinental Telegraph. They finally got the line laid from coast to coast. The last run of the Pony Express was actually completed the next month in in, uh, November. But you know what's interesting about the Pony Express? I I don't know if you have an interest in the Pony Express or not. I, I did as a kid. I still do. I It was a very interesting uh, period in our history. And it was a very interesting um, kind of an innovation, the way they used the Pony Express. And they were pretty fast, I mean, getting the mail where it was supposed to go. But they the Pony Express only operated for a very short time. And yet... They're a big part of history, and people are very aware of that and very interested in it and so on. Anyway, it's legendary, and it um, it gave way to Transcontinental Telegraph. Today, in 1984, remember Baby Faye, newborn with a severe heart defect? Baby Faye was given a heart of a baboon in an experimental transplant in Loma Linda, California. She lived... 21 days with the baboon heart. Today in 2000, the New York Yankees became the first team in more than a quarter century to win three straight World Series championships. They beat the New York Mets in Game 5, their, what they were calling Subway Series. The Yankees are nowhere to be found in this year's World Series. Today in 2010, Iran began loading fuel into the core of its first nuclear power plant. That would be the beginning of what we are facing today, a nuclear Iran locked at the hip with Hamas and other terrorist groups. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. If you care, Pat Sajak, the host, co-host, on um, Wheel of Fortune. He's 77 years old today. Hillary Clinton also has a birthday today. She's 76. And she's still discussing why she lost the election to Donald Trump. Now, some years ago. But that's still her main theme. 
I think she gets up every morning and goes over that thinking, how could that happen to me? That was her life dream, is to become president of the United States. She had worked, she and Bill had worked hard. In fact, I saw them in an interview some years ago. And they said, well, she said, well, she said, I told Bill, you run first. And then after you become president, then we'll see that I get elected president. That was their shared goal for their marriage and for their life, that he and she would become president of the United States. Interesting. Goals are very interesting. But I don't think she will become president of the United States, but in this mixed-up world that we live in, who knows what could happen. One good thing has happened, I'll tell you for sure. After three weeks without a speaker, the House voted yesterday, officially, to elect Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana. CNN is also lamenting a little bit this morning. They keep, they're out with this short story. They're, everybody's publishing short stories on on this uh, on Mike Johnson because they don't know a whole lot about him and I didn't either to be honest with you I'm I'm learning a lot now I the more I learn the the more I like I watched a video of his acceptance speech um, last night and uh, it was phenomenal he is a obviously a deeply committed Christian I mean not only on the surface but in the heart and um, very articulate. There's a little bit about him. He reminds me of a young 20, 23 version of Ronald Reagan a little bit. I, I mean, the guy is really articulate. He's married. He has five kids. Uh, he, he said, you're asking where, I don't know, Shirley, whatever his wife's name is, where she is. He said, I'll tell you where she is. She's still trying to get a flight up to Washington, D.C. He said this happened so fast she couldn't get on an airplane, couldn't get a flight, couldn't get a seat. But he's uh, he's humorous, but he's he's not silly. He's very he's very serious, very articulate, as I said, very deeply committed to the to the Lord and to biblical principles. So with that in mind, here this morning CNN put out their little short story on him, and they said they said Johnson secured the gavel without losing any GOP votes. He did he didn't he 100% unanimous of the Republicans, which was has not been the case in recent days in regards to trying to get a Speaker of the House. And uh, CNN says, here are, uh, the, uh, here are a few things you should know. And they say, Johnson is a Trump ally. And that's in bold print. Johnson is a Trump ally. And then CNN says, the Speaker was a key congressional figure in the failed efforts to overturn the 2020 election for former President Donald Trump. CNN says he sent an email from a personal account in 2020 to every House Republican soliciting signatures for an, for an uh, amicus brief in the long-shot Texas lawsuit seeking to invalidate electoral college votes from multiple states. They were claiming there were fraud, and he was claiming that as well. And others were too, but the focus is on Mike Johnson now. Then in bold type... CNN says he now faces pressing issues, including a potential shutdown. Government funding is set to expire on November 17th, and the GOP-controlled House will need to work with the Democrat-led Senate <coughs> excuse me, to avert a shutdown. Lawmakers must also consider aid to Ukraine and Israel. Well, Johnson made it very clear in his comments that he is 100% committed to Israel 
and he got standing ovations throughout it uh, from the from the floor. I mean, the people were very responsive. Even the Democrats were responding to some of the things he was saying. So anyway, I'm pretty positive about his ability to lead and, and where he's coming from. And um, CNN went on to say he's pushing an aggressive schedule. Johnson said following the victory that the House will move swiftly on several legislation um, alluding to the GOP infighting that paralyzed the House in the first vote. I didn't get that he was alluding to anything about the GOP infighting, and there was, and it did paralyze the House, but I didn't get that. I listened to him, what he said, and watched him, and Marjorie and I did. And um, I didn't get the feeling that he was alluding to anything. He said, there's been a lot of infighting. And he said, we've been paralyzed for a while. And he said, we're going to get it done now. And he went on. He was very patriotic. He said, America's the greatest thing, quoting Lincoln, the last best hope on earth for freedom and so on. Uh, He didn't, this infighting and paralyzed how, I mean, that sounds more like CNN and the left. It didn't sound like his speech at all. Uh, there are some challenges, no question about it. But he, he seemed like a guy that's really up, up for it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be very surprised if it turns out otherwise. But House lawmakers, they passed a, a resolution, like their first resolution that he passed last night was aid to Israel, support to Israel. So he's moving in the right direction, and things it looks, it looks positive for sure. I want to talk to you a little bit today about Hamas and about Israel and about what's happening and what it means from a biblical point of view, a biblical perspective. But I also want to talk to you a little bit about the perspective from a son of Hamas. In fact, a young man who was the son of one of the founders of Hamas. I also want to thank you for your support of this ministry. We are solely supported by those of you who listen and believe in what we're doing. And so many of you express that belief and that support in many ways with your notes and so on, along with your contributions. I read them all, by the way. I don't answer them all, but I I read them all. And I thank you. They're, I know they're heartfelt, and I, you're so encouraging, and you're so it just means a lot to us uh, because we put our best effort into this, and and uh, we do so every, try to do so every day, and you recognize that, and it means a great deal. It's humbling, and I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your support. We we need it obviously, or we wouldn't be having this conversation without it. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. So thank you so much. We need continue to need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can also go to our website, Faith and Freedom, A-N-D, Freedom, all one word, dot U-S, not dot com, but dot U-S, like United States. The son of one of the Hamas founding members says that the terrorist organization is really a religious movement. He said that's the goal of killing not only Jewish people, but also everyone who supports the Jewish people. He said this is an ugly war. He said Israel didn't start it, but Israel will end it. His name is uh, Mossab Hassan 
Youssef. He's the son of Hamas founding member Sheikh Hassan Youssef. He was talking to CNN's Jake Tapper. The younger Youssef was born in Hamas, but later he became an informant for the Israeli people after being repulsed by Hamas and their brutality. He made a claim that he converted to Christianity. He wrote a book called, it's titled, The Son of Hamas. I, have never, I haven't, of course, interviewed him. I, I have seen some interviews. I, I, he he kind of dances around his relationship as a Christian, but I, I don't really know his heart, to be completely honest. God knows his heart. But he says he's converted to Christianity, but there's no question he's very supportive of, of Israel, and he has denounced his father's Hamas organization, for sure. So Tapper asked him, he said, what motivates Hamas? And he answered, he said, well, he said, they are sort of a religious movement. And he said, this is what everybody is afraid to say. And then he said this. He said, if Hamas was a political movement, then we can satisfy their political ambition. But Hamas is a religious movement that does not believe in political borders. Youssef said, they want to establish an Islamic state on the uh, rubble of the state of Israel he said they want to annihilate the Jewish people and the Jewish state. He said they want to kill everybody who supports Israel and then establish an Islamic state. He said this is not the end. They want to establish eventually an Islamic state, a global state. He said so this is what's on their mind. He said we know that we cannot satisfy their ambition. And he said the more power, you know, he said the more power we give them, the more aggressive they are going to be. He said, hence, we cannot give Hamas what they want. Uh, agreed. I think most of us who are informed see what he's talking about. Youssef said he has seen firsthand Hamas torture people by putting needles under their fingernails and all kinds of barbaric things. He said their brutality, their nature, he said it didn't surprise me, referencing the stories of beheadings and so on of the Israeli people, Israeli babies. The United States, he insisted, must give Israel what it needs to fight the war. Well, the House of Representatives started that step last night. That was the first thing that the new Speaker of the House brought to the floor, and it was, of course, approved. Chris Halk says incredible words from the son of Hamas, founding member, after he listened to... uh, CNN's Jake Tapper, and a lot of people were weighing in on this. This Yousef said Israel is fighting on behalf of America. He said Israel is fighting on behalf of the Palestinian people. He said Israel is now fighting on behalf of the free world. He said this is not political propaganda. He said I, as an ex-Hamas member, the son of the founder of the Hamas organization, And today, as an American citizen, he said, I asked the President of the United States to give Israel the necessary cover, the necessary supply, whatever it takes to uproot Hamas. Otherwise, the next war is going to be deadlier. Interesting perspective from a kid who was born, who was fathered by one of the founders of Hamas. I think most of us have seen now what he's talking about. We've seen the brutality. We've seen the pictures. One of the things that I find incredibly difficult, honestly, to really assimilate, uh, these kids, uh, well, I, I know why they do, but 
it's just almost unbelievable as you watch what is happening on the campuses across America. These kids by the thousands, after seeing this torturous, barbaric brutality of elderly women being beaten and women being raped in the streets, babies being beheaded, and all of the stuff that we've seen in Israel, or in, in Israel recently by Hamas, you have to wonder, why? how can these thousands of kids on these campuses, Harvard and, and all of the Ivy League schools and others, how can they go out there in mass and with great force and enthusiasm support the Palestinian movement and Hamas in particular? And they are supporting Hamas, not just the Palestinian people. It's amazing to me. Victor Davis Hanson weighed in on that and other things on this issue. He's, as you know, he's a highly respected historian, conservative, very conservative, extremely well-informed. He says that this war between Israel and Hamas, he said, is only a half war. He said it's not really a war. He said because Hamas is a cult. That's true. That kind of aligns with what this founder's son is saying, is Yusef. He said it's it's not really... It's not really a political movement. It's a religious movement. Victor Davis Hanson sees it as a cult. He said it's not really a war. He said this war did not begin with a military assault. He said it's nothing like the Six-Day or Yom Kippur Wars or indeed most other conflicts. He said it broke out with a surprise assault by between 1,500 and 2,500 gunmen of the Hamas death squads. He said, during peace on a holiday, he said they entered Israel in a long-planned hit operation to murder civilians and take captives, focusing specifically on butchering the most vulnerable, the elderly, women, children, and infants. He said, in the most grotesque fashion imaginable. Exactly. That's what we've been seeing. He said their desire was to be as savagely pre-civilizational as possible. He said... The more, the more savage the manner of murder, the more fertile their sophistry that they were reduced to such repulsive bloodlust by their worst oppressors. He would be as though he said it would be as though gruesome mafia hitman had claimed that they were forced to become animal-like due to even more worse uh, systemic anti-Italian bases or something. He's just using this as an example. He said even the Mexican cartels don't claim that they're led to, to behead people because of the injustice of the Mexican government. He, he was reaching for the most uh, outlier, the most barbaric kinds of activities. And there are there is that in, in Mexico. And he was saying, that, but this is nothing like that. He said, by pre-planned design, Victor Davis Hanson, he said, women are raped and children and infant, infants are burned alive. They're bound, they're executed, and yes, beheaded. He said, the dead were often mutilated. Some 1,400 Israelis were butchered. The vast majority civilians, some 3,500 to 4,500 were wounded. And he wrote this a couple of days ago. Hamas never planned to stage a preemptive war, he said, against the Israeli military. He said its only agenda was to send killers to unprotected villages to murder the unarmed as they slept in the matter of like Nazis and other mobile death squads on the Eastern Front. He said also immediately they counted on using hostages, 
human shields, and the media to avoid any accounting to the IDF, the Israeli Defense uh, Force. Can anyone remember a conflict, he asks, other than ones involving the U.S. or Britain, in which the attack in its response is expected to first phone or drop leaflets warning its target areas? Does Hamas do that when it launches its rockets at Israeli cities? Well, the answer is obviously no, they don't. Israel's been doing that, been dropping leaflets and so on in Gaza, telling the people, we're coming, we're going to do this, we're going to root out Hamas. They're evil, and so on. It's not an anti-colonial struggle, Hansen says. He talks a lot about that. But he says Gaza is not anybody's colony. He said it has been autonomous since 2006 and seven. He said no free Israeli Arab Muslim citizen would willingly immigrate there to live under the dictatorship of Hamas. And for good reason. He said Gaza has been the recipient of aggregate billions in cash. And that must be underscored in our thinking. Billions in cash from the Gulf monarchies. They've been feeding dollars and money, currency in there. Europe, United States, United Nations, other people making expatriate uh, remittances or contributions. The more money that came in, the less Hamas had any intention of using it to serve its people. They were actually elected I, I digress from Hansen, but they were actually elected uh, to run the country like we would elect, like we elected Joe Biden to run our country, apparently. So he's Hamas under saying, we'll take care of you, essentially. Hamas has taken over the country. And the money has poured in to help these poor people, and they've pocketed the money to better prepare to do what they did to Israel just earlier this month on October 7 and continuing. He said most of, Victor Hansen said most of the gifted funds were used to build the world's largest subterranean city of death, to buy drones, rockets, to pay gunmen to kill Jews. Essentially, Hamas is an enormous mafia-like shakedown and hostage-taking operation that threatens the general peace. He said it's not to help anyone. He said usually soldiers wear uniforms in battle and their faraway civilian overseers do not. But he said in this case, Hamas killers in in action wear anything, jeans and a t-shirt, whatever. They're not in uniform. They're almost indistinguishable until you see what their actions are. He said, but they're distant leaders in safety, often prefer uniforms. I found it very interesting. There's much more to what he said about it, but he did say this. He said, how Orwellian that the world demands that Israel, in its efforts to prevent Hamas rocket launches aimed exclusively at its civilian population, must not hurt a single civilian who is impressed to shield the rocket launchers. He said, note well, Hamas's air campaign is specifically designed to kill civilians, Israel's to avoid them. In Israel, rockets are used to shield civilians. In Gaza, civilians are used to shield rockets. The odd result is that a sick world is more accepting of deliberate mass murdering by Hamas 
than occasional accidental collateral damage by Israel. Very thoughtful. We should consider it. A perspective from the son of Hamas, the son of one of the founders of Hamas, a perspective from one of the foremost, if not the foremost historian, certainly the most foremost conservative historian in America. And I want to leave you with a perspective from the Bible. The modern day war in Israel and Gaza mirrors the events described in Psalm 83. It's a little psalm. It's not very long. It's a Bible passage that was written thousands of years ago. The Bible is not a dusty thing that we keep, that Grandma used to use, but we keep it on the shelf at home. The Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. It is dynamic. It speaks to, to today in ways that no human being can do. It is the Word of the Lord. Psalm 83 addresses God and describes enemies who, quote, lay crafty plans against your people. Read that. Read this psalm later. Not, not right now, but later. They, uh, it lays crafty plans against your people and consult together against your treasured ones. In verse 4, the Bible says, Psalm 83, the enemies say, come let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. That's ripped right from the headlines of today's newspapers. Verse 6 through 8 in Psalm 83 says exactly where these various enemies of Israel and the Jewish people live. The verses list Edom, the uh, Ishmaelites, Moab, the Hagrites, uh, uh, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, Tyre, and Assyria. The tents of Edom <clears throat> and the Ishmaelites, that's a southern uh, Jordan, <clears throat> excuse me, Jordan and Arabia. Moab and the Hagrites, that's central and north Jordan. Gabel and Ammon and Amalek. That's uh, Lebanon, Syria, and the Sinai Peninsula. Philistia, that's the Gaza Strip with the inhabitants of Tyre. That's more of London, Assyria, or Lebanon. Assyria also has joined with them, and that's Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq. The chapter has modern-day relevance, and it predicted these events. And we're seeing this play out right before our eyes. Right here in this brief prophetic Psalm 83, God is warning us that people who live in these countries will hate Israel and the Jewish people. Why? Because they hate the God of Israel. They hate the God of the Bible. And as this son of Yusef, Yusef Jr. said, his dad and Hamas that he helped found, they are trying to create a global presence, a global domination, become a world religion. How does that fit in to what the Bible talks about in the end days? That's exactly what Hamas wants. They want to see their enemies, Israel and the United States, wiped off the face of the, of the, of the earth. I don't know why people can't at least give the Bible a chance and read it and consider it. Many do and many are. Some are not. But the writer of Psalm 83 asked God to destroy Israel's enemies like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind. But the writer also wants God's enemies to repent and turn to him. Verse 16 says, fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Even in this kind of barbaric activities, 
the people of God should pray that those enemies turn to the Lord. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.